This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we cover the latest Ansible updates with David Blackwell. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have David Blackwell. Uh, David, what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? I am a technical marketing engineer for configuration management and I am NetApp's subject matter expert for Ansible. Um, I have a Twitter. I am at BlackwellDavidC. Uh, But the easiest way to interactively get, get in touch with me is to join our Slack workspace. You can join at www.netapp.io forward slash Slack. And I am in the configuration management channel. Configuration management is one word, but management is spelled M-G-M-T. I occasionally troll in there too um, when I remember. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's me and and, and my closest 3,500 and some odd friends. There you go. All right. So, um, and what's great about the Slack is when you want to get an answer, it's pretty instantaneous. I mean, it, I mean, there's always somebody watching in there. Yeah, there is, and especially for the configuration management channel, uh, myself and several other of our Ansible module developers, we spend our our days in there uh, to answer questions. Uh, when you have questions about how our NetApp modules work, how they're working in your playbook, an error you're getting in your playbook because of it, we will look at that and help you. And we can even uh, post back uh, the fix to your playbook and or point out what you need to change. So um, it's been very popular and uh, very appreciated by our end users. So you mentioned that you work on Ansible. And if people are not aware of what Ansible is, could you fill them in? Absolutely. Um, So Ansible is uh, a configuration management utility. That means that you're able to create files that have a configuration setting in them that can then be applied to endpoints. So let's break this down a little more. Um, We'll use NetApp as a specific. So you can have a configuration file that Ansible calls a playbook. A playbook is written in YAML, yet another markup language. Um, However, it's as straightforward and simple as something that a computer can read and digest can can possibly get. Uh, Almost everything just is very plain English. The most complex part is that each new section is two spaces in from the section above it. Um, But you're able to to write in in this playbook tasks that you want to occur. So let's say that I wanted to provision NFS on an ONTAP system. I could have a task uh, that I define the policy name I want to exist and what vServer I want it on. And I can have a task that defines a role that, uh, or a rule rather, that exists in that policy. And then finally, I can have a task that defines a volume that should exist, how big it is, where it goes, how it's mounted, what export policy it uses, et cetera, et cetera. And I can run this playbook and it will just set up all those options. I can even use variables that can be fed into the playbook via different means, uh, either the Ansible user interface known as Tower, 
or calling it from something like ServiceNow or even at the command line. And I can use this then to automate the process um, and use it over and over again. And if I keep those configuration uh, variable files where I specify this is the name of the volume and this is the name of the policy, I can actually do something that's known as infrastructure as code. And that is where your setup files also become the documentation for your infrastructure. And so you can have all this that you've set up and used, and then those files that still exist kept in some kind of a source repo like Git or something like that um, are then also your documentation. So it's really great how that's able to feed into a simple setup, but even further than that. And Ansible has uh, some 5,000 modules, um, not all written by NetApp, obviously. Um, but for example, I just mentioned that NFS export create. You could expand that with a module called mount, and you could have a playbook that not only creates that NFS export, but also mounts it on the proper hosts, edits their CFS tab files so that it will uh, survive through reboots, all automated without anyone needing to understand how to operate against a NetApp or how to operate against that Linux system you're mounting it on. Um, there's also Windows modules uh, within Ansible. So if you're doing the same thing with SIFs, you could mount that network drive with uh, Ansible all the way. There are modules for cloud and cloud is not just AWS, Azure and Google, though those do ha all have modules, but also VMware and OpenStack and Rev and KVM and about a dozen other hybrid public and private cloud offerings. There are network uh, modules to do switch mon management configuration, um, packet shapers, firewalls. There are application modules, uh, certain applications you can actually configure or run from modules, including several databases. Uh, containers, containers are huge these days. Uh, there are modules for Docker and Kubernetes and OpenShift um, and, and a few other container environments. So you can do all these different kinds of setups and work case. You can actually have a full stack configuration that's able to be run from a single playbook uh, by anyone who can click a button based on the front end you put in front of it. So so when you say a full stack configuration, I mean, is that like client and server creation and, and connection or you know, what does that entail? Sure. I'll, I'll give it, I'll give an example of a, of a full stack setup I've done and, and you can actually find this example uh, at uh, netapp.io. It's, it's, it's back a few years, but um, one of the um, often discussed setups are developer workspaces. So when you, have a when you have multiple developers working on code, they often each have to have their own copy of the code or their own copy of the database they're programming against. And setting up these environments and setting up this space uh, can be quite a time-consuming process, especially if currently to get them their, their virtual environment, you have to contact a VMware team and to then set up their server that's been deployed or their workstation that's been deployed. You have to have the OS team and you have to have the storage team to give them a copy of the data and you have to have the application team to set up their copy of the application. You could create a full stack for that with Ansible. You could use the NetApp volume clone module to create flex clones of the of the production data or the source database so that there's what every developer can have a zero space copy 
of this data. So they're not touching the original. They get full access to it and you're not eating up space for each developer you put out there. You can then use modules against vCenter to uniquely deploy a virtual system for each developer that's made a request. Um, and then you can go further and use modules. I'm going to stick with Linux because I'm a Unix guy. Use modules within Linux to then configure that operating system after pulling information. So even if the VMware system it creates uh, from a template is DHCP, you can look up what IP address it gave it. Now you have that to work with. So you can do proper rules for what's being presented to it against that NetApp system. And you can do proper setups uh, on that system. And then I'm a huge container guy. Let's say the database or the application runs in a container. You could then use Ansible to set up Docker or whatever other environment you're doing on this system, mount and connect and bring everything up and then return to the developer the IP address that's been set up for their workstation. You can also use it to clean up that stack. So every step of the way that might've required a different team, each team can now contribute just the settings that are needed for that setup. And any end user can then uh, if they make it available to them, can then run these these setups uh, or these stacks or these playbooks, as they're called, from whatever interface you give them. What's also interesting about doing this sort of deployment is not only are you making it simpler to use, but you're also making it more error-free. Because when you when you tend to go through all these steps manually, there's a lot you can forget or misconfigure. You know, so having an Ansible playbook that just repeats the process over and over again really eliminates a lot of those those human errors that are involved. Absolutely, Justin. I have a playbook that I've made. Um, you can see an example of this in the Insight session, uh, Day Zero to Hero. I believe those are still uh, visible for another month, um, where I do a complete ONTAP cluster setup from cluster create to node join to disk assignment to aggregate all the way through um, until I have data that's able to be presented out to end users. And I do this all with a single Ansible playbook. It's probably anywhere between 80 and 100 individual steps if done manually. Uh, but I know that every one of those steps will be done. They'll never be missed. It'll be done the exact same way every time. And I actually use that on a weekly basis to rebuild my lab environment uh, to set up. And um, because I'm fortunate, my, my lab environment, I use a lot of vSIM, so I don't have to zero out hard drives when I want to rebuild it. I can do that entire process in around five minutes and 30 seconds from running one command. I hit enter, I sit back, and I sip on my soda while it runs. In addition to that, I mean, a lot of these organizations have different groups that manage different parts of the infrastructure. So if you get them if you have to deploy a workspace, you often have to interact with a lot of them, submit tickets and wait for them to finish their jobs before you can move on to the next thing. So having a playbook kind of sidesteps all that. And, you know, you do that initial setup where they have to be involved, but now it's basically just run the Ansible playbook and you never, you don't have to deal with all that lag that comes into play when you're start trying to interact with different groups. Absolutely. And your end users don't even necessarily need to know that Ansible or, or whatever you're, you're using or how this is being done. A lot of companies I know of use um, ServiceNow. And so a user can come in and fill out a ticket or whatever their templating system is that they have. Um, when they say what they want and hit go, it's actually 
calling Ansible in the background, either via the Tower REST API, the Ansible Tower system has a REST API, or as a direct command against what's known as the Ansible engine at the command line. Uh, NetApp does this ourselves. Uh, when we have users who request servers to be built or configured or new applications to deploy, we go into a portal, we say what we want and the configuration options that we want to choose from, from the menu that's given to us. And when we say go, it actually does call Ansible. Most of our front-end portals call Ansible, and there's no human involved from a request to objects being ready uh, because... Uh, somewhere along the way, an administrator has set up this playbook and they know everything will work the right way. And so we can have what we refer to as um, ask get processes. The end user has asked for what they want and they instantly get it, as opposed to an ask wait get, where they ask for what they want and they wait for that ticket to bounce around to three or four different groups before they finally get the resources they need. So, you know, what exactly is NetApp? involvement with Ansible. I know that we kind of got involved with this several years ago, but what have we done since then? So NetApp has been involved uh, for about three years. Um, we have um, modules for managing um, ONTAP, and that's ONTAP anywhere ONTAP exists. So that is your physical FAS or AFF system. That is your software-defined ONTAP Select running in VMware or KVM. And that is your uh, cloud volume ONTAP appliance that you can run in AWS, Azure, or Google Cloud. A playbook written for one will work for any of them. So if you have multiple locations, you're not reinventing the wheel or needing different administration methods for each location. We also have modules for Element Software. Uh, Element Software is the operating system of a solid fire cluster or the storage component of NetApp HCI. We try to write our modules at the OS la layer, not the uh, platform le level, so that you can use one playbook in multiple locations, no matter how you deploy something. Uh, we have modules for cloud volume services in AWS and for Azure NetApp files in Azure. Uh, we also have uh, modules for uh, pulling information from an active IQ unified manager server. Now these modules I've mentioned are all within what's called collections. Uh, Ansible has switched from modules just kind of being loose within a deployment into what they call collections. And each um, vendor who releases modules can have their own namespace and release groups, their own collections on their own um, time cycle. So NetApp does monthly updates and fixes uh, to our collections, occasionally a new module, often new fixes, often new updates. Um, and these collections that I've mentioned are certified. And so what that means is, um, Red Hat, who owns Ansible, has a concept called the Red Hat Ansible Certified Supported um, module vendor. And NetApp was one of the original five certified vendors. Uh, there's now around 20. Um, though NetApp does represent uh, between 25 and 33% of all certified content. We have done more to certify and had more certified content than any other two or three vendors put together. And that includes names like Cisco. Um, so we're really proud of what we've done. But it means that our modules have uh, not only been treated like enterprise code 
by NetApp, but Red Hat goes through them line by line and they check for best practices and for um, formatting, but they also check to make sure that our modules do what we say they're going to do. And more important for our users that our modules don't do anything we don't acknowledge. There's nothing hidden in any of our modules. It also means we have to provide some level of support for this open source module groups. And we do that via that Slack channel I mentioned earlier. We also okay. have um, uh, collections that are not certified, though the creators of these groups are working on them for our E-series devices uh, and for our storage grid systems. So it sounds like we've got a, a wide array of things across the portfolio for Ansible modules, some of them official, some of them not. Is, you know, is there a centralized location where I can find all these things in one place or do I have to go hunting around for them? Well, uh, Ansible uses what they call Galaxy for their distribution of uh, what are now called collections. It's galaxy.ansible.com. And if you go to galaxy.ansible.com forward slash NetApp, uh, you'll find those five certified collections plus the, um, the uh, storage grid non-certified collection all right there with their readmes that explain what's been changed and updated. So you don't have to search everywhere to find them. Um, the NetApp E-Series also has its own collection, uh, but it's in its own namespace. It's not in the NetApp namespace, it's in a NetApp E-Series namespace. But that is the end all be all place to find all things Ansible modules. That is galaxy.ansible.com. Why is the E-Series in its own spot? <laughs> The E-Series is in its own spot because of how it was originally set up and because of how support and lawyers say we have to do things. Mm, support and lawyers are always making things difficult. They, they, they really do. Um, both of my parents uh, happen to have law degrees and have practiced law at one time or another. And I can say I love my parents, but lawyers are the worst. If you practice law, do you get better? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> Um, worse, it never, you? <laughs> you never get better at it. My my dad um, is licensed to practice law in four states. And I'm like, how come you can't just, if you've been practicing this long, I've, I've actually said that to him. And he's like, because everyone changes everything. Yeah, yeah. So you don't get any better. No, you don't. So um, Ansible is known for its automation capabilities. What other things are we doing here at NetApp with the automation space? Like what sort of things are we getting involved in? Oh, yeah. So, so in addition to uh, what we're, showing publicly and what we do ourselves internally, we're, we're working on making the entire ecosystem better for our, our customers. And one of the first places you can see that practically is at aiq.netapp.com. And now the ActiveIQ website is different from the ActiveIQ Unified Manager System because we at NetApp love to name things the same name, all the snaps and all the flexes. Um, but the aiq.netapp.com website is a dashboard for the health of your clusters. It'll let you know when things are broken or need to be fixed or updated or when you have issues. And one of the things it tracks is firmware of your clusters. That is shelf, disk, and uh, service processor firmware. And now if you have clusters that need an upgrade and you go to aiq.netapp.com, that alert's going to have a little Ansible icon next to it. The Ansible icon's a little A where the, um, the, the bridge in the middle of the A is at a slant instead of straight. Um, but if you click on that icon that'll be there, it'll download a zip file. That zip file will contain a playbook, one of those configuration files I mentioned, a file uh, to be used as a variable file that contains the management lift 
uh, IP address of every cluster you have affected that needs that firmware, and then the firmware or firm or multiple firmware files you need. Because for example, in the case of disk firmware upgrade, you also need a qualifier firmware package. Now you still have to put those firmware packages on a web server as you've always had to do. But once you do that, you can come back to that download and just run that playbook. It's going to prompt you for your username and your password for the clusters. Uh, it's gonna prompt you for the URL of where you put that firmware or those firmware packages. And then it's going to run its own process to do NetApp's best practice for adding firmware to a system. It's going to verify communication to your clusters. It's going to run a pre-firmware load auto support. And then it's going to actually step through each of those clusters and make sure that that firmware is installed everywhere it needs to be. Now, it doesn't update the firmware. It just installs it because the update uh, will be handled by the on tap automatic firmware upgrade process that runs every two hours. So after you run that playbook within an hour to two hours, those firmware updates will happen. But now it doesn't matter if you have one cluster or a thousand clusters that are affected. You can run one playbook, one command. You don't even have to write the playbook yourself, and it will go out and take care of all of those affected clusters. And we're working on doing the same thing for when you have um, on tap uh, upgrades that will need to be done. So for software upgrade, we're working on that easy button for downloading a uh, playbook for that as well. Additionally, and we've only just released this, I'm very excited. Um, you can now go to uh, github.com uh, forward slash netapp dash automation forward slash Ansible. And that repository will have example playbooks, some simple, some complex. Um, but there are playbooks you can download, you can try for yourself, you can look at, for examples, you can combine to do multiple steps. Uh, some of the ones that are there right now, there is um, creating a volume on the first aggregate with enough free space, so an auto aggregate selection. Uh, there's one just for informational purposes to list all of the SIF servers that are running on a cluster. There's one for how to enable auto support. Uh, one for assigning disks. I mean, there's there's a lot of things there that you can pick and choose and put together as you want. If you're a playbook developer and you have a playbook that you think works really great, that you think should be shared with the greater community, we accept PRs as well. Uh, the only thing that is required is that some, some portion of your workflow uh, touches a NetApp endpoint and that all the modules you use are only modules that are available at Galaxy. If you have to go to some extra GitHub site to download them, uh, we're not going to put those in there. But other than that, that is all there and available uh, and usable. Customers have been asking uh, just for some, some examples that they can pick and choose from for quite a while. So we're very excited to have that there. What about on-command cloud manager? Are we doing anything with that? All right, so um, I mentioned that we write things at the OS level and not the platform level. Um, On-command cloud manager uh, is its own kind of an operating system. It allows you to deploy cloud volume on tap appliances. And what we have there is we've used a different configuration management utility uh, called Terraform. And we have released providers, which is what Terraform calls their modules. We have released ter a Terraform provider set uh, for on-command cloud manager. 
And this will allow you to use Terraform uh, to do anything that on-command Cloud Manager would allow you to do. That includes deploying new versions of Cloud Volumes on tap. That includes volume creation and snap mirror setup and all the things that you could do through the GUI uh, of Cloud Manager. Now, the reason we're doing that via Terraform instead of Ansible is Ansible and Terraform, while being within the same family of tools, were originally written with two completely different mindsets. Ansible was originally written as a data center, uh, on-prem, as it were, physical access management tool. And it works better with devices that still act or respond uh, in that kind of a mindset. Terraform was originally written as a 100% in the cloud management tool. And it really um, shines better on something that's 100% cloud-based. Um, and so that's why we do kind of the mix. ONTAP isn't written as 100% cloud operating system, so we have Ansible modules to do that. But On Command Cloud Manager is written as a 100% cloud environment. So you can combine the two even, and that's what we do here internally. You can use Terraform to deploy cloud volumes on tap, and then you can either use the rest of the resources, rest of the modules in that Terraform provider to do management of your ONTAP system, or you can then default to Ansible against that cluster that was deployed by your Terraform file. Um, so there really are multiple ways you can do this. You can call Terraform files from Ansible. There's a module in Ansible for doing that. And there are resources in Terraform for calling Ansible. So they, they both live together really well and fit their own niche of very specifically guided tasks. It's interesting they would call something that manages a lot of cloud instances Terraform. I mean, that's kind of Earth-based, right? <laughs> It, yeah, I would. I guess. I guess they considered they were making the atmosphere, so yeah. they were working on the clouds. We are gods, or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, anything else new in uh, in Ansible with ONTAP? Uh, the newest ONTAP release, so ONTAP nine point eight. Um. So we we're adding um, and 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 filling out some metro cluster modules. So there'll be additional metro cluster checks that you can do. Um, we're filling out uh, our modules in order to make our uh, WFA alternative uh, offering of Ansible better, filling out modules to make um, quota control better. So you can now use a module to change a quota and it will automatically do the resize or the on-off switch. So it's not something else you have to remember. Um, I'm working on, and, and you'll be able to read this at netapp.io in the near future, uh, SVMDR examples entirely from Ansible, um, as, as well as we're continuing to modify all of our modules to speak both Zappy and REST so that as you progress through ONTAP with whatever version of ONTAP no longer has, has Zappy and when it goes 100% REST only, you won't need to make any changes to any playbooks you've already written. We're taking care of all of that for you via our collection updates. So there's a lot of exciting. There's also, can't talk about it yet, um, but there's also a lot of exciting uh, other helpful Ansible things coming in the future from our other uh, teams around NetApp that are also building extra Ansible options into what they do. And then, of course, um, whether you're using Terraform or Ansible, uh, all of our 
applications have full REST API endpoints, on-command cloud manager, on-command insights, cloud insights, et cetera. So you can actually take advantage of those within a Terraform file or an Ansible playbook. Within Ansible, the module you would use is called the URI module, and that's how you spell it, URI. And it allows you to make REST API calls. So you can tie together, for example, if you use Cloud Insights, you can tie together a volume create along with the Cloud Insights annotation for that volume so that your reports automatically pick up that new volume without you having to manually make those changes. So what sort of release cadence do you guys have? I mean, is there a schedule that you release on or is it just when it's done, it gets released? So we do, um, when when there are changes, because some collections haven't really needed changes yet as they're, uh, as, uh, for example, the UM Info collection, um, we only really need to work on changes when there's major changes to AIQUM, Active IQ Unified Manager, and that only happens about once a year. Uh, but ONTAP and, and Element Software and those were constantly tweaking, constantly fixing, constantly taking feedback from end users. So we have a monthly set release cadence. Uh, the first Wednesday of every month, uh, we do a release. Uh, there might be a lot in it. There might be a little in it, uh, but that's what we do. And it doesn't invalidate anything from the past. Um, it just means there's more features added. We're never going to turn off something that you were using Um we have in the past created aliases, meaning that now two words do the same thing because we decided that a different way of wording it made more sense for a person reading it that isn't necessarily familiar with ONTAP. Um, and we wanted to make certain things make more sense. But any of the older versions still work. So we're, we're very careful that nothing we do breaks how anything worked before. But yeah, once a month, first uh, first Wednesday of the month, you can see that. And you can know what version you're on uh, by looking at it. The way we version our um, collection releases is we took a page out of our, our Brothers in Arms and the Trident group. Uh, Trident's the uh, automatic uh, provisioning for container storage management. Uh, and we name our versions the same way they do, which is year.month.fix. So, 20.11 um, is the most current version right now. Later this week, uh, um, later this week, as of this recording, uh, 20.12 should be being released. If we ever have a major fix or we realized a bug slipped past uh, our three sets of eyes that we make verify any ch changes, we can then do fixes. So a 20.12.1 um, could be done. And we're able to make these turnarounds very quickly. So as opposed to the nine months you used to have to wait before Anspo went to collections, we do monthly updates and can even do within 24 hours fixes to bugs. So David, if I'm not familiar with Ansible and I want to learn more or I want just someone to kind of guide me through it, is there some sort of place I can go to learn more or is there a way to sign up for any sort of classroom type stuff? There's a couple options for that. There's a lot of training on the internet around Ansible. Um, if you go to netapp.io, I have getting started guides that will walk you through understanding how to install Ansible and how a playbook works and give you example playbooks. Uh, but then I even have, if, if you're a NetApp customer, uh, I've developed and I teach an Ansible workshop. And this workshop is five hours long. One hour of that is a break, all done um, remotely uh, right now. But what it is, is you'll learn the basics of Ansible uh, how Ansible works, how its parts interact with each other. We go through the anatomy of what makes up a playbook. We talk about fancy things you can do in a playbook. Uh, I then go into some live demos 
building playbooks from scratch and building on their complexity so they do more and more things and you can see how this grows. And then uh, also I talk about Tower, the Ansible uh, user interface that you can, you can set up and how it works. And I show several live examples for that. And taking the workshop gets you access to a web-based lab uh, for two days that you can uh, follow along with me during the class, or I also have an exercise guide that you has your own self-paced labs. If you're interested in, 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 in having this workshop, uh, there needs to be uh, at least six people at a site that's interested, though once a month we do do an all-comers uh, where it's mixed companies. Uh, all you need to do is talk to your NetApp sales rep and tell them you want to take David Blackwell's Ansible workshop and they will get in touch with me and we'll make sure that the scheduling and dates get shared with them on when they can sign up for one of those. So have you thought about putting this like out as a video series on YouTube or is this just something that needs to be done in, in person and live? Well, I, I've thought about cutting some of it into a video series for YouTube uh, and it might, uh, some of that I might do, uh, but the live interaction is better because it allows people to ask questions at any time. I encourage uh, interrupts and people asking questions whenever they have an issue or something. So that that works well uh, as the the interactive workshop. Um, but we have been uh, discussing converting it into a YouTube uh, series. It just hasn't gotten there yet. So if I want to find more information, where would I go? I mean, I know there's a Slack channel and, and NetApp.io. Uh, is there anywhere else I can look? So NetApp.io is, is the best place for where we post new information or where you can find information on what to do. Um, the Slack channel, as you mentioned, you can join that. And if you're just wondering what version of, of our collections we have out and what's available, that's galaxy.ansible.com uh, forward slash NetApp. All right. Excellent. So uh, again, David, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? Uh, as I said before, the very best way to reach me is to join our Slack workspace. Uh, you can get an invite at www.netapp.io forward slash Slack. Join me in the configuration management channel. Configuration management is one word. Management, though, is spelled M-G-M-T. Or I do have a Twitter. Um, it is at Blackwell David C. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or biatechontappodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank David Blackwell for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.